Drag Race Part 1. Let me tell you about one of the toughest nuts that I ever had to crack in my career as an activity director, Carl Fiskajohn. Carl and I had probably one thing in common, that was we were both Norwegian. And I noticed his bumper sticker on the beat-up scooter that he had, and it said, Ufta. Now, Ufta is Norwegian for something like, good grief. And I guess it could also be taken as, oh, don't bother me. For the most part, nobody did. Carl was in his room. He smoked cigarettes. He was alone, seemed happy. But he came down for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that's about all we saw of him. I never saw him at the Memorobics gatherings. But I kept him on my radar, just looking for something. And then it came to me uh, one lunch hour. He always got there early for lunch and left early. Uh, I set Carl's lunch down in front of him. There he was at a table by himself. And I said, hey, Carl, do you know who Marge Curtis is? And Carl said, well, I think she's one of the ones over there. And I said, you're right. She's the one in the Jazzy. Now, the Jazzy is sort of the Cadillac of scooters compared to Carl's old scooter. Marge was maybe just the opposite of Carl. She was outgoing. She was a, what I call a sweetheart of a lady. And Carl said, yeah, I've seen her. I said, well, you know what she told me? She told me that she could beat you in a drag race. I remember his eyes sort of squinted. He looked over at Marge. He looked back at me and said, I don't think so. And I just left with, well, that's what she said. Carl finishes his lunch as usual and takes off early. And after he was gone, I sort of wandered over to Marge's table and the four ladies were chatting as usual. I leaned down and I said, hey Marge, do you know who Carl Fiskajohn is? And Marge said, sure. Pointing over to his table, said, he sits right over there. And I said, you know what he told me? He told me he could beat you in a drag race. So Marge looked at me with a huge grin on her face and said, well, I'd like to see him try. It's only April, and I didn't say anything to either one of them for several days because I needed to figure out when I could do this, how long it would take, and neither of them mentioned anything, so I thought maybe they just simply forgot about it. But I had planted the seed. My next steps were behind the scenes. Now we had a flat parking lot uh, and drag races just simply go fast and straight. So I figured that um, we can't just go out and race until we get okays from the lawyers and uh, the families. So this wasn't something you could just do tomorrow. Besides, something like this you want to build into what I call a major event. I needed time to have a barbecue ready, uh, invite the kids. We had to have good weather. I wanted to have this something the community, the whole community, would never forget. So with the green light to start the details of the planning, that of course started by asking the racers if they're up for it. So I first approached Carl, and I knocked on his door like I always did with every resident. And after he asked, who is it? We had a brief conversation. It started with some small talk about me being Norwegian and him being Norwegian. He had that same grumpy look on his face. But when I told him that I had arranged for a drag race in a couple of months, and I wanted to know, would he be interested in racing Marge? I can't swear it was a smile. But his eyes seemed to light up, and he said, sure. 
I told him I'd be back to him later and went right to Marge, told her that Carl was up for it, was she? And of course she said yes and added, when do we race? So the first thing I did after the racers committed and the management committed was to get a date on the calendar. We chose June 6th, figuring it'd be nice weather, and made a checklist. First thing on my checklist was a poster. I had to make it real. So I made a poster. Right at the top was Meadow Creek Village Drag Racing Championship. I had the date. I had the location. And then featuring Carl the Flash, Fiska John, and Marge the Queen of Speed, Curtis. And even though it was only April, people were talking about it. People were talking to Carl. People who didn't know Carl just knew he must be a good sport. And Marge, she basked in the attention that she was getting. And the day the poster went up, one of the other residents came rolling up in her scooter with an excited look on her face and said, I want in. So who's Linda? She's a double amputee. She was 50-something. She's diabetic. She smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, and she lived life to the fullest. My answer was, of course. So that first poster came down, and one day later we had Linda, and she and I came up with the nickname of True Blue. So she was Linda True Blue Truax. My checklist also included fans, and we had had the kids, the kids from the local kindergarten come over, and I wanted to make it look like a drag race, and remembered that my son's Little League baseball coach worked at Budweiser, so I called Rick, and he thought it was a great idea, and said he would set aside some of his Budweiser promotions that they do for NASCAR, and that I could come by whenever I needed it. Now, we've got to have some food, so... Just went to the food service and said, hey, it's going to be in June, and we need to have a barbecue, an outdoor barbecue. How's that sound? And they were all in as well. So we had the racers, we had the food, we had the fans, we had the look of a drag strip, especially with all that Budweiser gear. And after a couple more calls, I wrote down, get earplugs. Why earplugs? Because no drag race is perfect without the roar of an engine. So I called up the Woodburn Drag Strip, a classic drag strip between Salem and Portland. Next thing you know, we've got our slingshot dragster. No transmission, mind you, but all it had to do was sit in the parking lot with the engine purring until it was time to roar every so often. So right next to the get earplugs note was call the city, make sure that this is going to be okay. So we got everything set up. We went to the neighbors to invite them to come over, and we were ready for race day, but we were also ready to go to the Statesman Journal to tell them what was coming up in the first part of June. We got a reporter's attention. She put it on the calendar and said, well, we can't promise anything, but keep us posted. So now we were ready for race day when I could say, Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. As I think about the recipe for success of something like this race, the ingredients are really right there at the beginning. I remember the youngsters from the local preschool, each with a tiny American flag. They were part of the pre-race parade. They filled up a little sloping lawn that was across from the race course, and every time they cheered, it would go directly into the building. 
And, of course, there were all the Budweiser, Indianapolis-style race flags and signs and posters. We even had a checkered banner high above the finish line. There was even the smell of a race. Kitchen staff was out there the entire event with a barbecue that was smoking the entire time. So that was what filled the air. The two sound memories that I remember, the kids, of course, they cheered during the race and whenever they felt like it. But the sound and even the vibration of that slingshot dragster or something that nobody forgot now we pulled the PA system out and put it on the parking lot and I remember introducing all three of the racers and they each got to choose a pit crew and I was given a wonderful picture of Marge and Wanda Wanda had an empty gas can and in her scooter behind Marge she was in the pre-race parade as the pit crew and Linda had a couple of her friends don't remember if Carl had anyone, but I do remember that he never broke into a smile, but he was in the race. He was in the parade. Now, we had preliminary heats, and then we had the round-robin elimination heats. The reporter was getting quotes, and the photographer was getting photos, and then it all boiled down to the championship race. It was Linda True Blue Truex versus Marge Queen of Speed Curtis. Now, we'll get to who won in just a minute. But I want to jump ahead to the next morning. I arrived at work and immediately saw grins on people's faces. And I saw a statesman journal on the reception desk. And I saw the article that was in the newspaper that morning posted on the bulletin board. So there was a photo of Marge and Carl with someone, I can't believe I was jumping that high, starting the race in one of the preliminary heats. The headline captured it all. No speed limit, no age limit. So who won? I want to share with you what Stephanie Knowlton, the reporter, wrote in the article that had a subheadline: Assisted Living Center residents rev their engines. Marge, the Queen of Speed, Curtis, and Linda True Blue Truax waited for the signal. Truax, 51, and Curtis, 82, had eliminated the competition in races earlier that day. It was down to the final heat on the speedway in the Meadow Creek Village parking lot. One, two, three, go, yelled Roger Anionson, the Assisted Living Center's creative coordinator. Whoa, when I read that from the article and was looking at the picture that was in the newspaper, I had a gush of really good memories of that day. Now back to the account of the race. As True Blue and Queen of Speed zipped down the pavement, paper streamers on their scooters waved to about 30 fans, mostly residents on the sidelines. The kids with kazoos flew frantically for their favorite racers. Curtis poured on the speed in her red electric scooter. Her two American flags were flying as she burned up the track. But her baseball cap and sunglasses kept her cool. Truex was a few paces behind in her blue Action Ranger 2 motorized wheelchair, but she didn't look worried about her opponent's lead. There was still about 25 feet to go before either reached the finish line, which was outlined in green sidewalk chalk. The racers neared the checkered flag and Curtis was ahead by three scooter lengths. It was all over for Truax. 
We have ourselves a champion, Anjanson yelled from the announcer's booth. Curtis took a proud victory lap around the lot with her championship trophy. I thought it was great, Curtis said. Truax said, it was fun just to have a chance to race. That was one day that I will never forget when I'm 123 and a half and somebody shows me a picture or talks about True Blue or Carl the Flash or especially the Queen of Speed. I'll remember that. But there's a couple more things I want to tell you about. First, I predicted correctly that we wouldn't need just one trophy. We'd need three trophies, one for each, and they had to be identical. No reason to have a big trophy and two small trophies because, yes, they did compare trophies. In the newspaper article, even if it's not a local newspaper, if you can have someone who was in an event or watched an event the next day, the next week, see something about it visually, it brings back those encoded memories, especially memories of something that just happened recently within their current community. And then there's what happened that morning when I first saw Carl. I can't say he was waiting for me, but he was finished with his breakfast. And he waved me over to his table. I was expecting at least part of a grin. Nope. What I got was Carl saying this, I want a rematch. I smiled, shook my head. I told him that a rematch uh, would be fun, but it would be really hard to arrange. And he said, but she cheated. And I thought, this is great. I knew they were all competitive, but Carl wanted to be involved in another race. That was great. But I just said, well, that's going to be pretty hard to arrange. And then later that morning, when I had time to read the entire article, there it was in print. The reporter was apparently standing next to Marge's son, Randy, and his wife, Melanie, and she wrote this. I just hope the battery lasts, whispered Marge's son, Randy Curtis, to his wife, Melanie. Randy and Melanie souped up the chariot of the Queen of Speed by adding a new battery and a charger. Turns out Carl might have been right after all. But actually, there are no rules to this except the one rule that I had, and that is the activity had to be fun. Here's an epilogue for you. A couple years after the race, Randy Curtis got a hold of me and handed me a DVD of a video that he had made of the race. He said that when they brought Marge over for any family gatherings, she insisted on bringing the trophy and showing that DVD. And I can only imagine the smile on her face and the flood of neurochemicals that brought back the joy of that day for her and winning that championship.